Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I love this theme of She is Made New. What this conference is all about, She is Made New. You know, the reality is that we can want to change, we can want to grow, we can have all the desire in the world, but real change starts from the inside out. It starts in our internal world, it starts in our heart. And I want to do a message tonight called Heart Entertainment. Heart Entertainment. And as I was preparing this, I, I had a, um, a story come to mind of when I was a young girl. I remember going to one of my brother's hockey games and watching it. And I'm the oldest of five children. There's me, then three boys, and then um, my younger sister. And, and I remember my brother at that stage was about 14. I was, I was 15. And I remember watching this hockey game and my brother was at that age where you're trying to impress everybody, you're trying to be the cool guy. And so he was right into this hockey game, giving his everything. And in the middle of this game, all of a sudden, this hockey ball just went piercing through the air and hit his eyebrow and split open his eyebrow. Blood was going everywhere. It was just crazy. And I remember watching from the sideline and thinking, oh my gosh, this is intense. And as I watched, I saw out of the side of my eye movement. And I watched as my mum ran yelling onto that field. It's all right, mate. Mummy's here. And I I remember watching it unfold and going, are you serious? Mum, what are you doing to him? Right now you are destroying his manhood. Right now you are crippling it. And I remember thinking, why would she do that? But now that I'm a mum of two boys, man, I would be doing exactly the same if anyone dared to hit my child. I would be running onto that field, hockey stick in hand, ready to bash the opponent that would dare to hit my child. Like it's amazing this mama bear just comes out of you and you cannot do anything about it. It's amazing what's in us comes out of us. And whatever is going on in our internal world eventually works itself out in the rest of our world. And that's why if we want to be new, if we want to have change in our world, we've actually got to get our internal world right. We've got to allow God to shift some things in our heart, to speak into our internal world and just whisper, hey, that there, I just want to work on that. You know, that, that there that you've been struggling with for a while, come on, that doesn't need to be there. That insecurity, that offence maybe. Come on, we need to work on that together. And I just feel God's Father heart towards us tonight. And I feel Him saying, hey, what, what's going on in our internal world that we need to address? And as I'm speaking tonight, I'd just love us to ask this question. What is our heart entertaining? See, the Bible talks constantly about the importance of our heart. Matthew 5 verse 8 in the Message Version says, You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. 
See, I've found the greatest challenge in life. We can have all the dreams, all the desires, all the concepts in our head of what we want to do. But the greatest challenge in life is keeping our heart right. It's the greatest releaser, but it's also the greatest thing that will hold us back if we don't get our internal world right. Luke 6 verse 45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, A Above all else. I love that. Above all else. That's pretty important. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Our heart is incredibly important. What is going on in our internal world, it is crucial to setting us free, to releasing us into the destiny, into the purpose that God has for us. Over the 18 years now that we've been in ministry, I've found that what has been going on in my heart has been my greatest releaser or it's been the thing that's held me back. We need to address what's going on in our heart, address what's going on in our internal world. You know, we can be in the greatest of environments, church like this going off, passionately in love with Jesus. Yet if we don't guard our heart, it's amazing how the enemy can steer us off course. I mean, Judas is the perfect example of this. One of the disciples of Jesus, the closest 12 to Jesus. Come on, he he was with Jesus every day, saw the miracles, saw the dead raised, saw blind eyes opened. What he saw was incredible, close to Jesus, always hearing his words. Yet the Bible said love of money got into his heart. And because love of money got into his heart, he was sabotaged from the destiny that God had for him and the enemy was able to use him for his purpose. Mon, if it could happen to Judas hanging with Jesus every day, it can totally happen to us. We need, above all else, to guard our heart. So what I want to do tonight, you can see this message illustration set up for me on stage, is I want to do, I want to help bring this to life a little bit tonight. And this uh, picture here is just a little bit of an example of Craig and I, our first home that we had. It was incredibly small. We lived there for the first four years of our marriage and we called it the love shack. And it was literally the size of this pretty much from here to the door. It simply had a bed, a couch, a little wee kitchenette kind of space, and then a bit of a shower area and a toilet. And that was it. And uh, we were in youth ministry though. We had hardly any time on our hands. So we were out and about all the time. We were um, we were home so little that I hardly cooked at all, which I love. I do not enjoy cooking. Is anybody else with me? You do not enjoy. Thank you to all my sisters out there. I love cleaning, but not cooking. And uh, there was actually one point, this is a true story, where one night I decided to make a roast for Craig and so put the chicken in this little wee oven thing that we had. And then I actually forgot about it, that it was at the time I went off and then I forgot about it and we went and ate somewhere else. Three months later, I opened, true story, I opened the the, the oven and this chicken almost walked back out again. Like mold was like that thick on it. Like, and I know everyone's like, that cannot be a true story, but I swear I left it in there for that long. So how blessed is Craig? He is a, he is a lucky man to have me as his wife, but so we, we, we lived in this little thing called a love shack. And, and what we quickly discovered, we got married very young. What we quickly discovered 
was that when we had our own place, when we moved into our own place, people just didn't pop in any longer. Now, when we had a flat, when we, uh, we lived with other people, when we were students, before we were married, people would just pop in all the time. But when we got our own house, we had to invite people. All of a sudden, we chose who we entertained. And you know, this example here, it's an example of our heart space. See, when it comes to our heart, our heart is our home. And when it comes to our home, our heart, the same way we choose what we entertain. We choose what we give access into our heart, into our, this close, intimate space of ours. This is our house and we choose what we entertain. And to help bring this to life a little bit more, I'm just going to have a few people come and help me out. So I found my, my first person come out. Because see, what we tend to do in this entertaining in our heart space is that we tend to entertain just anybody that comes knocking at the door of our heart. We're like, we hear this knock, and we're like, all right, what do we have here? Insecurity, come right on in. Just make, make yourself at home. Just ha- have a seat there. It's, it's good that you're actually here. And you know, this, this insecurity, it's probably a voice that has started once when we were very young. Might be a voice of a teacher, a parent, a friend, some, something somebody said. And we've entertained this insecurity for a long time. And you know, we get familiar with this insecurity. We get quite comfortable with insecurity. And if we're really honest, this insecurity is okay because it makes us feel like we we can't really step out into the things that God has for us because we couldn't do it anyway because of this insecurity. And it makes us feel okay with just, you know, living comfortable and, and getting settled in life and just doing the kind of, you know, like surviving in life because I can't do anything for God because I've got this insecurity and this thing, this voice that always keeps telling me I can't do anything. And, and we, get, can't, we entertain insecurity. Does this make sense? We entertain it, we welcome it, we make it feel at home in our hearts. If I could have the next illustration come up, please, that would be awesome. We hear another knock at the door of our heart and again, we just, that knocks there, so we let it in. Oh, fear and anxiety, why don't you come on in? Make yourself at home. You know, again, we we make fear and insecurity uh, and anxiety, we make it feel comfortable. And again, like fear is so prevalent in the day that we live in today because information, we're just bombarded with the worst case scenario wherever we go. Because of the internet, because of social media, everything, we are bombarded with information. And so the what if, we're bombarded constantly, but what if that happened to me? What if that car accident happened? What if that health issue happened to me? What if that situation in my family that went on for somebody else, what if that happened to me? And the what ifs, it builds fear in our lives and, and then anxiety and anxiety is just a flash name for fear getting a hold in our lives. You know, today we live in this world where everything is given a name and and it means that, especially anxiety, we can hear anxiety, we can hear, oh man, that's so uh, crippling, but it's just fear that has taken a hold in our life. And we we make, again, we get comfortable and we, we allow these things to speak to us, to contain us, to limit us. We just get familiar with these things. They speak to us. They define us. They tell us what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And we just get comfortable. Again, we entertain. If I can have the next uh, voice come out, please. The next thing that we're going to entertain. Again, we hear another knock at the door. Offense. 
Come on in, offence. You know, we, we may have been at church. Church should never be the place that offence happens, but it often is. And we're at church and somebody says something to us that just makes us feel upset, rubs us the wrong way. And again, we just, get, we just allow that irk to get in. Like we just, you know, that thing that just makes us feel devalued. It makes us feel like nobody, like we, we don't really matter. Like nobody really sees us. And so we get again familiar with this offence and we let it, we just let it attach itself to us. We let it take control. We let it do its thing in our world. And, and to be honest, it's kind of, we, we actually use offense as a scapegoat. We're like, you know, now that you're in my world, I don't, I don't need to serve in church. You know, I don't need to do anything for God because it's all their fault. Like it's what they said to me and that should never have happened. So I don't need to serve God now because that just was not fair. And I should never have been treated like that. And see, we just like, we pair up with offence and offence is all like in our grill and in our space. And we're like, well, I just need to listen to this. And we become so disempowered. We just get so comfortable and we don't, we don't do anything for God. And we were so once full of passion, so once full of vision, so once full of fervor. Jesus, I'll do anything for you. But now we're just familiar with offense and we just allow it to control us. We give it so much power. We entertain it. If the next thing could come out, please. We hear another knock at the door. Depression, come on in. I mean, I've got, I've got all these other things anyway, so you might as well just come right on in. And, you know, like depression, we just get comfortable with this because, like, we don't have any control over it anyway. And, like, you know, like we hear so much today, our, we are our feelings. We have no control over feelings. If you feel something, you are it. So I just become this and I get lost of vision. I get, I get no purpose. I just get filled with despair. I feel like I can't do anything with my life. I mean, why? What is the point in even living? And I'm not joking around with, I'm not making light of this tonight. I've been there. It's so easy to give this power. It's so easy to entertain this in our lives, just to feel like this, this is our lot. Like we're here hanging in our, in our heart space and this is what we're entertaining and we can feel so disempowered in it, like so crippled by it, so defined by these things. And there are so many more things that I could have used tonight. Pride, rejection, jealousy, envy. I mean, the list goes on and on. All these things that we entertain in our heart that rob us from God's purpose for us, that rob us from the destiny that God's got for us, that rob us from His freedom, that rob us from His joy, that rob us from His peace. And it's because we're entertaining the wrong things. We're allowing these things to have dominion in our heart when they never should have dominion. These things don't have any control, but we give it to them. See, our space is His territory. My heart ultimately was created by the King of Kings and ultimately my heart belongs to Jesus Christ. So so often with, the, with these things, we act like victims. We act like, man, how can I get out of this? We act like damsels in distress. But the good news is, what does every damsel in distress do? They call on the King of Kings. They call on their prince to come and help. So if I can have Jesus step up into the scene right now. That's right. 
Jesus comes in and when He comes in, He deals with these things for me. See, His Word, what Jesus says is that fear and anxiety, it has no space where Jesus is because love casts out all fear and He is perfect love. So where He is, fear has no space. So He deals with fear. Fear, if you can just uh, move your little butt out of my life, that'll be fantastic because you have no space where Jesus is. And so He takes care of fear for us. Out fear goes. Then he comes along and there's those insecurities. And we, when we're close to Jesus, we hear his word that he's with us, that we can do all things through him. And what happens is he deals with insecurities for us. And as he does that, what does he do? He turns his insecurities into his strength. So all of a sudden, he deals with that insecurity. If you can just head off there. And instead of my insecurities, I have his strength. So those things that I would, I used to think, man, I could never do that. No, all of a sudden, his strength is able to work in those areas. So they're even preaching. Like, it's like, man, I cannot do that. But yes, I can. And his strength for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So I take his strength in the area of my weakness. So He comes alongside me, shows me how to live. He shows me how to think. He shows me what to dwell on. Then He deals with offence for me. Because when Jesus, when I'm close to Him, man, He gives me the perspective that I need. Man, He suffered on the cross. He gave His everything for me. He went through complete pain and agony for me. So anything that I go through, man, it's nothing in comparison to that. And when I'm with Him, when I'm walking with Jesus, when I'm entertaining Him in my heart space, all of a sudden, all right, thank you, offence, off you go. All of a sudden, it doesn't have space because He puts it into perspective for me. All of a sudden, what matters most is serving Him and wanting to please Him and doing His will on earth. And it's not about what people say and it's not about how people have treated me because ultimately I want to serve Him because I love Him. And not love Him, but I love Jesus. And <laughs> so He brings it into perspective for me. Then he deals with depression because depression can't settle where Jesus is. And what he does is when I'm with him, all of a sudden I align my thoughts to his truth. I align my thinking to his word. And all of a sudden what felt so hopeless and my feelings that felt so hopeless because feelings only come from what we dwell on. So our emotions, they come from our thinking. So what happens when I get my thinking in line with his word, all of a sudden he fills me with his joy. All of a sudden, what felt so hopeless, man, I've got hope because I believe His Word over my emotions. This is truth, not our emotions. Come on, there's a world that's telling us today that our emotions are truth, but that is not the case. This is truth. And whatever you are feeling... Whatever you are dwelling on that may, is making you feel low, that's making you feel like you've got no hope, no purpose, I want to tell you that that is not truth. This is truth. And when we abide in this, when we get His Word that tells us we have a plan, we have a future, we've got a hope that He can turn all things around for the good of those who love Him. When we get that in our spirit, all of a sudden we're filled with joy because He is with me. And greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. And all of a sudden I can see, uh, I can see the future. All of a sudden I've got this greater vision, this greater capacity, because I'm entertaining the right way. I'm entertaining the right things. Why don't we give Jesus a hand? Well done, Jesus. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. See, I find what happens in life is that we just entertain whatever's there. Whatever's knocking at the door of our heart, we give permission to enter. Just because something's knocking doesn't give it the right to enter. Come on, we're going to get protective over our space. There's got to be a new authority that would rise up on the inside of us would say, my heart is my space and no one else is claiming it but Jesus and His truth and what He says, what He declares over me, how He says even I should be feeling, that's, that's what I'm going to abide in. That's what I'm going to trust in. That's what I'm going to believe in. It's amazing what we tolerate, what we just put up with. A few years ago when we were... Living back in Auckland, we uh, were in a space in our lives where we just uh, we were trying to get ahead in the property uh, market. So we built a really uh, a do-up home, and it was kind of in a ghetto kind of area. And and so one night, I, I was um, I'd had a whole heap of girls around in this home of ours, and uh, Craig was out with with some guys and. And it came to the end of the night and the girls all headed off and I was tidying some things up. Craig wasn't quite home. And as I went out into our backyard, I opened the back door to go out, walked about a few metres out and then put our rubbish away in the bin outside, then turned back around and there was this massive guy standing there between me and our house, between getting into that door of our house, our backyard was completely not lit. It was dark. It was quiet. And I thought in that space, oh my gosh, my worst nightmare is about to take place. And I remember this feeling of, what am I going to do? And right in that moment, this sense, I thought, you know how you have those dreams sometimes and you're in that space and you freeze in your dream? And I thought that would probably happen to me, but it was the complete opposite. I remember going, how dare you enter my space? How dare you enter my home? And I remember this rage coming up on the inside of me. And so this like, I went into this terror mode. I remember going, you know, like this, this beast mode came out, like you're giving birth, that kind of beast mode. And I remember, sorry, if, if those, that brings back visuals, but I remember this beast mode coming out. And yeah, I remember yelling at him and going, what are you doing here? And he froze in his tracks. He had a beanie over his face. He froze in his tracks and just stared at me. I, he stood still. I ran past him, uh, shut the back door. I was looking for knives. I was going to do whatever possible. I would have castrated him, whatever I needed to do to protect myself because this rage came over me. And what are you doing in my space? What are you doing in my house? This is my territory. How dare you come into my space? And you know, when it comes to our heart, we've got to get that same authority, that same indignation, that same sense of this is my heart. And so when fear, when anxiety, when depression, when anything comes knocking, that doesn't line up to who my Jesus is. You don't have a space in my heart. You don't have any right whatsoever. Come on, there's got to be this sense of a new authority, this ignorance indignation that would rise up on the inside of us. This is my space and I'm going to guard it. So what I want to do really quickly 
is just look at what does it mean to entertain the right way? What does it mean to entertain the right way? And the first thing is we've got to work the invite list. We've got to work the invite list. We've got to take time to look at who is in our heart space. Who have we invited? We've got to take time to tend to our heart, to look at our heart, to investigate our heart space. I love what Mark 7 verse 20 to 23 says. Jesus speaking, he says, It's what comes out of a person that pollutes. Obscenities, lusts, thieves, murders, adulterers, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, carousing, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these are vomit from the heart. There is the source of your pollution. What is causing pollution in our lives? You know, so often... We can want to deal with the source of something rather than looking at the root of it. Rather than actually looking at our heart and going, where is this coming from? Come on, why am I always responding like that? Why am I feeling like that? Why am I being held back in this, that way and taking time to search our heart and allow Jesus to come into that space and meet us there and do the work, do the weeding that he needs to do. I love what Craig Rochelle recently put out on Insta. He said, Jesus goes after the source, not the symptoms. Come on, Jesus wants to deal with the stuff that's going on and deal with it at the root cause. I love when he dealt with the woman at the well You know, she came and she was a woman living with, you know, she'd been with five different husbands. The guy that she was living with wasn't her husband. She was not living in a good way. But Jesus never dealt with what was going on in her life. He dealt with her need for living water. He didn't deal with all the decisions that she was making. He never addressed that. He addressed the need in her for living water, which outworked itself in how she was behaving. See, Jesus never comes and reprimands us for what we're doing. He comes alongside us and he's like, okay, why is that happening? Come on, he wants to deal with what is going on in our world. I remember when we moved from youth ministry, went young adult ministry into a congregation of our own out in West Auckland. And I remember being at a ladies' meeting one night that we were having that I was leading and just feeling so inadequate, just so like, God, what am I even doing here? I've got nothing to offer these women. Like, why why am I here? And I remember going home that night and just crying to Craig and going, I just feel like I've got nothing to offer these women. I haven't been through what they've been through. I haven't got the life experience that they have. I'm young. I'm just, what am I doing? And I remember Craig saying to me, babe, it's not about you. It's about the God that you're offering them. You know, but but where's this coming from? And I remember going to God and going, God, where's this inadequacy coming from? And I remember God highlighting to me, my first job that I had was at Auckland Sexual Abuse. It was in the crisis team. I did psychology as my degree and then social work. And so it was the practical experience. I worked in this sexual abuse crisis team and, we, when women were raped or abused, we'd sit with them through their medical examination and uh, when they gave their testimony, when they went through the courts. And I was the youngest person they'd ever had there on team. And I'd worked, I did my placement for three months and then worked for three months. And at the end of that three month placement, 
in that the three months of working, one of the uh, people on our team ended up going to the manager and saying, hey, she shouldn't be in, Nadia shouldn't be doing what she's doing. She's way too young to be involved in this kind of work. And out of that, I ended up not doing the work anymore. And I remember God highlighting that to me and going, you know, out of that, there was a, a seed that got sown in that time that has made you feel like you're too young, you're too inadequate, you haven't got life experience. And I had to go back to that seed and begin to unroot, unpluck that seed with God's truth. God's truth that said He had called me. And because He called me, He would equip me. That it's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. And I had to just undo the power of that seed. And, you know, tonight I feel like for some of us here, there's, there's been a seed that's been sown. There's been something that maybe somebody has said, something has happened, it's sown a seed. And God tonight just wants to come and He wants to reveal that, that seed that shouldn't be there. And he just wants to, in the loving way that he does, just start to uproot it with his truth and start to bring a deeper revelation of what he's got for us. So I know God's just going to do such a beautiful work tonight. So the second thing, my last point, if I could have keys up, please. <clears throat> so the first thing, we're going to work the invite list. We've got to allow God to really go there. Actually, I just want to end with the scripture. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 to 10 says this, But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. How beautiful is that? Well, what an incredible God that we have. And the second thing is entertaining the right way is we've got to position our bouncer. Position our bouncer. We're going to make sure that Jesus is the bouncer at the door of our heart. He's the one standing there. And we only let through what He says is okay to be let through. Every thought the Bible says we're going to take captive and make it obedient to Him. And there's got to be this new sense where, okay, would Jesus want me thinking about this? Would Jesus want this emotion to be happening in my world? What would Jesus say about this? There's got to be this new awakening, this fresh revelation of what He says matters most. Because what He says, His truth, only this is what will set us free. What He says matters most. We've got to get a revelation that He's the bouncer on the door of my heart and I only let in what He says I should let in. What he says, it matters most. Now, a daughter, Hope, <clears throat> seven years old, and she is full of confidence. Some may call it sass, I call it confidence. She is full of determination. And I remember one day coming up and church just been done and we just had an amazing service, but Hope was out of the kids program and I remember seeing her and going, babe, why are you out of the kids program? And so I went and see, saw her, the kids leader at the time. And I said, hey, Hope's not allowed out of the kids program. How did she get let out? And, and the, the kids leader said to me, well, you know, she said that dad said, your husband had said that it was okay for her to go out. And so I addressed it with him. I'm like, no, we didn't say that. And then talked to Hope about it. And 
And then a, a week later, I went into work and Hope came with me as well that day. And by the end of the day, she had all this chocolate in her hand. And I'm like, babe, where did that come from? She was like, oh, the, the neighbours, the company next door, they just gave me all this chocolate. And so I went to see the, the neighbours of ours, these guys that lease um, the part of the building from us, went to see them. And I was like, hey, guys, I really love that you're you know giving all this chocolate to Hope. It's really generous, but she doesn't need all that chocolate. And they were like, yeah, we thought that. But she kept saying that that dad said that it was okay. You know, I thought in that moment, what if we had that revelation? But dad said, imagine the access that it would give us. Imagine the freedom that it would give us. Imagine the gifts that it would give us. Come on, imagine what we would step into if we had a revelation, but Dad said. Come on, it doesn't matter what I feel, Dad said. It doesn't matter if I feel like fear, intimidate, all those things are trying to take me down, but Dad said. Dad said that I don't have a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love and a sound mind, so I'm going to step out in courage. Come on, but Dad said. Would we grab hold of, but Dad said. You know, if I'm being really honest and we're going to come into a time where we're going to pray for, I know, a lot of women tonight and we're just going to see God just do an incredible work. But if I'm to be really honest tonight, when I had our son Ezekiel, our, our third little child, just over a year ago, I just got into this space like three months in and he was such a great little boy. But I just got into this space where fear and anxiety had just so taken hold of me. I just allowed this lie that, you know, I was on my own. I was in a new country for the first time and left New Zealand, left all my family in New Zealand. So it was the first time in Australia just having this little baby. And I just allowed that lie that I was on my own to take root and have dominion. And I just found myself where fear and anxiety was just so crippling me. And I went to a conference. I remember it took everything in me to get to a conference very similar to this. And I remember saying to Jesus, if I can just get to this conference, I know that you'll meet me. And I remember the first night of worship, just standing there, bawling my eyes out, just being in the presence of Jesus and, And over those few days, he just gave me word after word after word that he was with me, that he would not let me down, he would not let me go, that he was the God that was with me. And in that moment, the power of that lie that I'd believed was broken. And there was just this incredible freedom that came in that moment. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.